You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Will you go with me to Hebrews chapter number 11? Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to read verse 39 and 40, and then we're going to read one verse in chapter 12, verse number 1. Hebrews chapter 11, known as our great hall of faith, where the, uh, the writer here talks about all, all of the things that the Lord done for the men and women of old that had died in faith, and we're going to uh, glean from that a little bit this morning, and also read Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1. Let's start Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 39, and you can look along with us if you would like. And the Bible says, in these all, having obtained a good report through faith, receive not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they should not be made perfect. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Will you back up to the first phrase of verse number 40? God, having provided some better thing for us, God having provided some better thing for us. And I want to minister this morning on this simple thought, something better. How many knows with the Lord there's something better? Amen. Will you bow your head and will you help me pray this morning? Father, I love you and I thank you again for the opportunity to be here in your house. And I thank you for every individual, God, every family that is represented here today, God. All of them, God, significant to you because you're not a respecter of persons. Lord, you love each and every one of us equally this morning. I pray, I pray this morning that you would open our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and Lord, anoint my lips, God, to deliver your already anointed word, and we'll be very careful to give you the praise, the glory, and honor. In Jesus' name we ask it, and everybody says, Amen. Today is the day, and I know Pastor Brian commented on our Independence Day and celebrating independence as a nation. There's some things that I want to bring out, some things that I want to say. Today is the day that we celebrate our freedom in the United States of America, the day that has been set aside as a national holiday. The 4th of July, or Independence Day, is the day that we celebrate us becoming an independent nation, set apart, separated from the rule of Great Britain that was over us, the taxation of Great Britain that ruled over us. And I want you to know this morning, I guess I'm coming from opinion or from the book of Steve, but I feel that this should be one of the most significant days of every single citizen of the United States of America. If you're thankful for your freedom, you ought to cherish the 4th of July, amen? On this day for me, my mind, I'm just speaking from myself, but my mind begins to go back to uh, the, all of the things that has happened in order for us to be a nation, to come as one nation and to celebrate our independence. I race back to moments in history when our forefathers begin to declare great things such as, give me liberty or give me death. Pastor Brian spoke of the meeting earlier, but in the meeting when they sat down, the penalty there for uh, going against or rebelling against anything of Great Britain was that they would publicly hang you in a tree and everybody would gather together. 
And one of the men boldly stood up and said, we know the penalty. And so today we declare that we hang together in this room. We stick together shoulder to shoulder or we will hang separately in a tree because we rebelled against Great Britain. The way that the American Revolution started the war when it began all the way back till then was that they were tired of the bondage and they were tired of the taxes of Great Britain. They made up their mind that it was time that they made a stand even if it meant death. And I know he said it earlier, but listen, there are worse things than in life than dying and that is trying to live under the bondage of someone else. We today as men and women that are created equal, we do have a God-given right to live free and that is a given to us by Jesus Christ himself. Not under the rule or the authority of another man, but under the rule and the leading of the power of the Holy Spirit. If we have to make a stand as Americans, and we've done it so many times all the way back to the American Revolution and we have bounced to different wars throughout time, if we've had to make a stand, we have made a stand. If we've had to fight, then we have willingly fight. And if we've had to die, there are those that have given their life. But the one thing we will not do, we will not live under bondage of another man. We will not live under the rule and the authority of another man. I'm thankful for those, uh, the majority of Americans today, that still refuse to live under bondage. We've made up our mind. We want freedom. Give me freedom or give me death. Yes, I know we've got some problems in this great nation today, but all in all, I want to tell you, I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud to live in the United States of America. We are one nation under God. This land is my land, and this land is your land. From sea to shining sea, let us live as one nation under God today. And I thank God for our freedom. I thank God for the God-given right to live in a free nation, and still today, greater than bondage to another nation is the bondage, and I get biblical here, and I'm going to refer it back to Scripture, but greater than bondage to another man is the bondage that so many live under, in, under the power of sin today. Even if you live in America, even if you live in this great nation, I want to tell you something, and I'm going to try to build upon this truth. If you live today under the bondage of the power of sin, i got to stop and teach just a moment. In my life as a believer, and many of you today as a believer, I don't live under the power of sin, but I'm not a perfect man. I'm not perfect. I'm not standing before you. That's perfect. I'm standing before you as a man that is, has allowed, I've placed my faith in Jesus and what he's done for me on the cross of Calvary. The power, or in other words, the kingship, the authority of sin over my life has been broken. And now the Holy Spirit is changing things in me that still does not line up pleasing unto the Lord. Is that plain this morning? I want you to understand that. I'm not above you. I'm with you. The writer of Hebrews was not above us. He was with us. In in Hebrews 12, 1, he said, Wherefore, let us, all of us, he's a man inspired by the Holy Spirit. God chose him to write this great epistle that we have. And he says, let us. 
Lay aside every sin and every weight that so easily besets us, all of us. This morning, it's not my message, but i got to tell you this morning, there's nobody in here today that walked in perfect. There's nobody in here today that walked in so holy that they can't be touched by the power of God. There's nobody in here today that is above you. There are those that is believers and those that may have rejected Jesus Christ, but God's love was sent out to each and every one of us. No matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus loves you this morning. He loves us this morning. I'm deterring a little bit, but it's in my spirit. I love John 3.17, for God sent not His Son. He didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world. He didn't send Him to the world to condemn you. And I get sick and tired. Me and Brother West went uh, the other night to a service. I'm sick and tired of preachers standing behind a pulpit and trying to condemn everybody that is in the congregation. That's not the gospel. Jesus didn't come to condemn you. Yes, we preach on sin. Yes, we preach on holiness. Yes, the Holy Spirit will convict you. But I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here not to throw a stone, but to extend the grace of God and to let you know The same grace that saved me is available to save you today. My God. And I don't care who you are. And I don't care where you've been. And I don't care what you've done. I read a post and it's so true. However far you went from the gospel. However far you went from the Lord. The trip back is only one step. If you'll say, Jesus help me. My Bible says, if you'll draw nigh unto God. He'll draw nigh unto you. He's just waiting for you to look to Him in faith believing today. i got to get back to my message. I think back as a nation. I can't help also to look back as a believer at the price that has been paid for us on the cross of Calvary and the finished work of Calvary. It was not an incomplete work. When Jesus went to the cross, He didn't leave your bondage out. When He went to the cross, He didn't leave your family problem out. When He went to the cross, listen to me, He didn't leave your broken heart out. When he went to the cross, he didn't leave your hidden sin out. When Jesus went to the cross, he died paying for every single sin, past, present, and future. Those that were committed before he ever came. Those that were committed while he walked on this earth. And those that would be committed by us that lived in the future after the resurrection and the ascension. I want you to know this morning, he didn't leave your problem out. He included it on the cross of Calvary. The price that was paid was a finished work so that I could be free from the power and the bondage of sin. You don't have to be bound by what you're bound by. I'm not just talking to those that have rejected Christ, those that are a non-believer. Listen to me, believer. That's the beautiful thing about the message of the cross because there's believers in here today that are bound by something. There's believers in here today that's bound by something. The message of the cross is not just for those that haven't accepted. It's for the believer. It's for the saint. Listen to me, believer. You don't have to be bound by what you're bound by. I don't care if nobody knows about it. I don't care if you're good at hiding it from your spouse. I don't care if your church don't know about it. God knows about it. Yes, He loves you. But He didn't die on the cross of Calvary so that you could live with a hidden bondage. He died to make you free. Make you free from everything. 
I want to look back at the text, verse number 39 and verse number 40. Let me bring out just a couple of things, and I want to try to put this in words where it's simple. I want you to understand, if we don't understand the scripture this morning, I'm wasting your time. Verse number 39, all of these, he's talking about the men of old that he already wrote about starting in the beginning of chapter 11. They obtained or received a good report through faith. Look, if you, you everybody's going to get a report from God, and what we want is a good report. Amen? We want a good report. How do I get a good report from the Lord? I have to go through faith. And not just any faith, but it's faith in Jesus and what He done for us on the cross of Calvary. In reality, I want you to know, I hope it don't sound condemning because I'm the last preacher in the world. I promise you, I'm the last preacher in the world that is going to preach condemnation to you. But I will tell you this, in reality, all of us will stand before the Lord one day. And when we stand before God, you want a good report. And I come to tell you, it's not hard to get a good report. God made it simple. How do I get a good report? I place my faith in Jesus and what he done for me on the cross of Calvary. And when God looks at you, he can declare you not guilty for anything and everything. And I shall obtain a good report in him. He says this, they received a good report through faith. But they did not receive the promise. What does that mean? The promise here he's talking about is the promise of the Messiah, of Jesus coming. The time was not full. The fulfillment of time has not come. Jesus had not yet died. They had a promise, but they didn't have the fulfillment of that promise. Everybody with me? Jesus hadn't yet come. They had a promise that he was coming, but he's not yet here. And so they had the promise, they just didn't have the fulfillment. Watch this. God, having provided some better thing for us than they without us, should not be made perfect. All this means, let me make it simple. The men of old had a promise. Us today have the fulfillment of the promise. Here's the promise. Here's the fulfillment of the promise. They had the promise, and because they believed in the promise, they received a good report. Today, we have something better. We have the fulfillment of the promise. They were looking forward at what God was promising. We're looking back at what God had promised, and now we get to receive the fulfillment of that promise. Let me see if I can say it like this. Do you know what's better than the promise of heaven? Actually being there. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's good, Brother Greg. That's good. Hey, a song said, I can only imagine. All I can do is imagine. What's it going to be like? I, I can only imagine how I'm going to act. I always say, I'm just imagining. But I want you to know, there is men and women of old, and we've got family that's one went on and been with the Lord. Uh, they're not imagining. They're standing in the presence of an almighty God. They're walking on streets of gold. Uh, they're looking at mansions. Uh, they know what it's like to dip their uh, feet in the water, the sea of life. Uh, I want you to know, they're not looking at a promise. They have the promise fulfilled because they are there today you understand they had a promise we've got the fulfillment the only thing better than a promise is having the fulfillment don't let it don't let it confuse you when it says they without us it literally means they without what we have now without what we have now 
cannot be made perfect. In other words, everything God promised has now been perfected or completed because Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. Is it clear? Is it clear as mud? Well, as long as it's clear in one way or another, they had a promise, but we have the fulfillment of the promise. The, better, the thing better than the promise is that being fulfilled. Without, but with the promise alone and without the fulfillment, the promise would have been made void. But God provided what they needed as long as they believed upon Him. As is all things, all things are by faith. Here's what I want you to know. They had a promise. Well, you done said that. I'm going to say it some more. I got to get it. I got to get you to, I'm going to make it stick. Probably wake you up tonight in my ugly face saying the promise and fulfillment, promise and fulfillment all over. Here's what I want you to know. Paul said they just had a promise. But he said this after he done listed everything God done for them in chapter number 11. Everything God done for them was by faith in a promise. I want you to think about this, how powerful God was for them. By faith in the promise, the men and women of old were blessed greatly. They obtained a good report, even though the fulfillment of that promise, I'm going to get tongue-tied in a little bit, the fulfillment of that promise had not yet been manifested. It had not yet happened. Now watch this. I'm going to hop and skip just a little bit. By faith in that promise, Faith in the promise that the Messiah would come. The Bible says that by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, and he received a witness that he was right and righteous before the Lord. This was just by faith in a promise. By faith in a promise, Enoch was translated that he would not see death. By faith in a promise, Noah built an ark to the saving of his family. By faith in a promise, Abraham separated himself to a land of an inheritance. By faith in a promise, Sarah received a child at her age when her age was past gone and her womb was now dead. By faith in a promise, Jacob leaned on his staff as leaning on the word of God as he walked through the wilderness or before he went to the wilderness even though his Joseph of children wasn't there. He blessed the children of Joseph because he had faith in a promise. By faith in a promise. Give me a little monitor. I'll try to quieten down and that means nothing. Moses joined himself to the children of God. Moses, because he believed the word of God, he said, I'd rather suffer affliction than to live in the pleasures of sin in Egypt for a period of time. By faith in a promise, Moses led God's people out of a place of bondage. By faith in a promise, they sojourned through the wilderness, uh, leading to a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. By faith in a promise, they walked up to the Red Sea, and the waters were parted, and they walked across on dry land. By faith in a promise, uh, God fed them quail and manna every single day. By faith in a promise, he led them cloud by day and fire by night. By faith in a promise, uh, there was water that flowed from a rock. Uh, and that rock followed them. And that rock was Jesus. By faith in a promise, uh, I want you to know every enemy fell at their feet. By faith in a promise, they did inherit the promised land. Uh, by faith in a promise, uh, the Jordan River was, was, was open. 
opened up and they crossed over into the promised land. By faith in a promise, Rahab seen her family saved. By faith in a promise, Jericho walls came falling down. By faith in a promise, Goliath fell at the feet of David. Hebrew children walked in a fire. Samson received his strength. Gideon and his army was more than overcomers. I want you to know all of these things God did because they had faith in a promise. Is that clear? I'm still clear as mud. By faith in a promise. All by faith. But I come to tell you, congregation, listen. God did all of these things because they believed in a promise that had not yet been fulfilled. I want you to know this morning, you've got something better. How do you get something better? Well, they had the power of God that dwelled with them. But you've got the power of God that's able to dwell in you. Uh, they had the power of God that came and helped them in time of weakness. Uh, but the power of God never leaves the life of the believer. The Holy Spirit came to lead God and direct you into all truth. Uh, he's here to help you every single day, every minute, every hour of every day to live according uh, to the statutes and the ordinances of God by faith. And a promise. God did all of this, but we have something better. I look back. I got to look back here also. I look back at where had different things after Jesus Christ died for us on the cross of Calvary. Things that they couldn't say that we can say today. By faith in the fulfillment of that promise, or let me say it like this, by faith in Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary, I can, I can uh, with all boldness declare that where sin did abound, grace does much more abound. Uh, because of the fulfillment of that promise, uh, I can tell you, uh, by faith, I've been baptized into Jesus Christ, uh, and baptized into his death, burial, and resurrection. The power of sin has now been broken in my life. By faith in the fulfillment of that promise, uh, I can declare that when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he died once and for all. He doesn't have to come back to do anything else. Uh, it was a finished work, and it included everything that we will ever need in our life. Uh, because of faith in a promise, uh, I can say, let not sin, therefore reign in your mortal body. By faith in the fulfillment, uh, I can say, yield uh, your members as instruments, uh, as righteousness, and no longer instruments as unrighteousness this morning by faith and a promise Romans 6 and 14 listen for sin shall not have dominion over you for sin shall not have dominion over you I wish I had somebody in here that was saved this morning for sin shall not have dominion over you because I've got faith in the fulfillment of the promise and what Jesus has already done for me on the cross of Calvary by faith in the fulfillment of what Jesus has already done for me, we got something better. They had a promise. You've got something better. The only thing you don't have is an excuse because he provided anything and everything that we ever need in this life by faith in the promise, by faith in the fulfillment, which is something better. In Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 1, he says this, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, talking about all of these men and women of old that he already witnessed, that he already mentioned us, let us 
lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, a legalistic or a law-minded church would tell you this. You just need to lay it aside and, and go on and live for the Lord. But I come to tell you this morning, as a church that preaches grace and faith, a sin and a weight that so easily besets you, you cannot just lay it aside by yourself. You can't just lay it aside by yourself. But you can lay it aside because we have something better that has been provided to us. What is something better? The something better is what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. When I place my faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross, the power of the Holy Spirit comes to help me to lay aside every sin and every weight that so easily besets us and run the race with patience that is before me. It's all by the help of the Holy Spirit. What Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary has broke every bondage, every single bondage that would ever come to bind us and to restrict us in this life. And if we believe and we place faith back in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, we will, you will experience the freedom of Christ as God intended for you to have. On April the 18th, 17, I believe 75, maybe it was the 19th, I may have my day wrong. There was a young man by the name of Paul Revere. He came riding into Lexington. He came riding into Lexington, and when he got there, he began to shout the shout that we all know, that we've heard, that's famous. He said, the British are coming. The British are coming. There was a man there, a pastor by the name of John Clark. He had a regiment of men they called the Minutemen. The Minutemen he had trained up to fight. See, at some point before America would gain their freedom, they had to make their decision that we will fight. And let me go further than this. It went a little bit more than that. Making the decision that they were going to fight and actually fighting is two different things. Making the decision that they were going to fight and actually fighting, all that's two separate things. Paul Revere come in there and he began to scream and yell, the British are coming. The British are coming. The moment of truth had come for the Minuteman. That was their entrance. That's where they would come into the colonies. John Clark went outside. I don't know everything that was exactly said. I don't know how anybody could know everything that was exactly said. But I know that he looked at his deacon and he told his deacon, as history records, now is our moment of truth. Now is the time that we will make our stand or we'll stay in the house and we'll let the British go on in and begin to infiltrate. See, the British were coming to take every bit of, of firearm and all of the ammo that the American colonists had put back to get ready for this moment. And now they would either fight or they would stay in their house in bondage. When he came and he began to shout, the minutes man said, no, we will not stay here. And they went out in the road and they meet, met the British. And the British were a little bit thrown off at first because as history records, they tried to talk to them, told them to surrender. No, we won't surrender. We're tired of surrendering. We're tired of bondage. 
We will not surrender our arms, and we will not surrender our ammunition. We're not paying your taxes no longer. Oh, you will. No, sir, we will not. You see, the enemy's always good at taunting back and forth. Yes, you will. And to be honest with you, our bondage or the enemy, that's pretty well all he's got to do. He can talk most of us, and I said us, into surrendering before we ever even engage in the fight of faith. He said, you'll surrender. He said, nope. And all of a sudden, we know it as a shot that was heard around the world. I believe it was eight Americans fell over as dead, and there were some British that were dead when they left that scene and began to scatter. But even when they're dead, they picked their dead up out of the street, dragged them back. They made up their mind. They said, we started this fight, and we didn't start this fight. Don't let these men's uh, life go death, die in vain. But let's continue to fight because we're going to gain our freedom and we're going to gain our liberty. And from that moment on, as the British begin to gather their army, see, the enemy don't quit just because you say, I'm going to fight. Your bondage is not going to just fall off because you say, I'm going to fight. There's going to be a fight, a fight of faith there. Not nothing you've done, but what Jesus has already done on the cross of Calvary. And they fought them for a while. They battled for a while. Some six years they battled back and forth. But ultimately, America, we won our independence and we won our freedom. And I want to tell you this morning, I don't know what bondage it may be. It may be the bondage of sin. Uh, you fighting and actually saying I'm going to fight is two different things. Uh, but I want you to understand, we're not looking at a promise. We're looking at the fulfillment of the promise. Uh, Jesus has already won the fight against your war on the bondage of sin. Uh, and if you'll engage uh, by faith and say, I place my faith in what he's already done for me. There is no bondage uh, that can stay. Everything has to fall because of what Jesus done on the cross of Calvary. I feel it needful to quit this like this. And I'm going to hush. The gospel... It's not complicated. We have visitors here this morning, and I want people to understand. Because if you just drive down the road and you look at a church, you're thinking church is church, and they're all the same. We're not the same. We're not the same. I'm not preaching teaching to you denomination. I'm not preaching to you legalism. If you give your heart to the Lord, I'm not going to give you a list of rules and regulations because that's not the gospel. I'm not going to point you to me. I'm going to point you to a one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus Christ because he's the one that will be with you all the time to help you. Because I promise you this, even if you give your heart to the Lord this morning, you're going to need a little help. I need a little help on a daily basis. I'm not there yet. I'm not perfected. As my good friend Keith Babin would say, if you're going to live for God, you better learn how to repent. If you're going to live for God, you better learn how to repent. Because the Holy Spirit is going to convict you and work on your heart and deal with you. And as he deals with us, we repent and ask him to help us and ask him to change us. I'm going to make the gospel as simple as what I can. Listen to me. Here's the gospel summed up just real quickly and real simple. We were born into sin. Every single one of us was born into the bondage of sin because they fell in the garden. All of us. I said us. We're all in the same boat. Nobody here was born with a silver spoon in their mouth in regards to standing right before the Lord. We were all in the same wreck. We were all in the same mess. But Jesus was not satisfied leaving you separated from him. 
So he came to this earth. He fulfilled all of the law for righteousness. He laid his life down, dying upon the cross of Calvary, giving his life for your death. He exchanged his life for your death sentence. He paid a debt that we could not pay, and therefore allowing us access to eternal life. How do I receive this eternal life? It's not complicated. I, from the heart, Believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He came and that He died for me. And the moment that God sees my faith, the courtroom in heaven over my life is satisfied and God pronounces me before heaven. He is not guilty. She is not guilty. They placed their faith in my Son and His blood has covered their sin. And at that moment, I'm declared not guilty. But watch this. He didn't die just to save you. He died to change you. He died to change us. How am I changed? Is that complicated? What do I got to do to be changed? Here's the beauty of it. You don't got to do anything. You don't got to change anything from the simplicity that I've already told you. Well, what do you mean? Paul said, as you have received, therefore walk. I place my faith every day in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross of Calvary. And watch this. I get up in the morning and I say, God, help me today. And the Holy Spirit starts dealing with me about areas of my life that needs to change. And when he did, this is between me and God. He's not telling the world. It's not in the newspaper. It's not in the personal section. It's not on Facebook. It's between me and God. And let me tell you this. I, for one, will be the first one to say, of everything that is wrong in my life, I'm thankful that it's just between me and God. And as me and God are having some conversations about everything wrong, the Lord begins to deal with me about specific things. He's not going to show you everything that's wrong with you all at once. We'd all quit. I'd give up because I'm a mess. But little by little, he shows you something. He says, hey, we're going to work on this. And when he does, I say, God, forgive me of that. Forgive me of my rotten attitude. Forgive me of my bondage. And I'm asking for the Holy Spirit to help me. And to change that in me. Well, how long will it take, preacher? I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that however long it is, if you won't quit, God won't quit you. And until it's changed and then he moves on to something else. I'm being changed little by little. How am I being changed? I'm being changed because I place my faith in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross of Calvary. And the moment God sees that faith, the Holy Spirit starts moving in my heart and in my life. I want you to know this morning, there's something better than your bondage. There's something better than just living for the world. There's something better than just this life. And that something better is the fulfillment of what Jesus done for you on the cross of Calvary. He didn't come just to give you life. He came to give you life more abundantly, which literally means he came to give you a life and an advantage. What is that advantage? You got the help of the Holy Spirit. You've got help. I don't know about you, but I need a little help. He came to give you life and life more abundantly. By faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, we have today, we have something better. We have a fulfillment that allows God to work through me to provide everything that I will ever need.
Would you stand with me this morning? went down I'll say this as he's playing just very softly please I went down to the Agape house a week ago I guess last Tuesday night and my spirit and my heart was the story about a man I know you're standing but I won't keep you standing a long time I just want your attention just for a couple of more minutes. It was about the story of the father that brought his little boy to Jesus. He'd already taken him everywhere he knew to take him. The little boy was vexed by a demonic spirit. And I want to tell you, according to what we read about in the scripture, this little boy, he was quite, how do I say it? He, he got everybody's attention, but he got their attention in the wrong way. He made a scene everywhere he went. He was a distraction, to say the least. The little boy would fall over. He would foam. He would wallow at the mouth. He would fall in fires. Now, I want you just to think with me for just a second. To me, it would be difficult to take my son out in public knowing all of the things that this demonic spirit was pulling and doing through him. Is that okay if I say that? Doesn't mean you don't love him. It's just he knew every time he took him in the crowd, if there was a fire, he was going to fall in the fire. He was going to be the distraction in the forefront. Everybody knew this little boy as a little boy that was going to make a distraction that was vexed by a demon spirit. And that day, according to the story of Legion, when a man was overcome by demonic spirit, oftentimes they would take them to the hills, put chains around them, just get them out of here. Because he is so such a distraction, we don't want him here. As I was trying to teach to these guys at the Agape house, my spirit, my attention began to turn to this little boy. The Bible says his dad said, if you can do anything for us, will you have compassion upon us and will you help us? I've already been to your disciples. I've already been everywhere I know to go and nobody can help him. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible. He wasn't looking for something that, he wasn't looking for storms to be calmed. He wasn't looking for the dead to be raised. All he was looking for was for his little boy to be healed and to be known as something other than a distraction. He wanted to be able to take his little boy out in public, walk hand in hand. This is my son. This is my son. I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. I'm going to hush. The little boy became known as a distraction. 
He became known to everybody as somebody. We don't want to be around him. They probably avoided him when they come down the street. And I want to tell you this morning that there's so many people today in the world that are known for what they have allowed to pollute their life and their actions. I told them men, I'm going to say it boldly here today. There are men and women known and labeled as a drug addict, as an alcoholic. They're labeled as an adulterer. They're labeled as a liar. They're labeled as a gossip busybody. They're labeled as somebody that is no good. He's no good, she's no good. And because of that, a lot of society has walked around you. They've avoided you. But this day, Jesus said, if you can believe, and the dad said, you know what? I believe, but help my unbelief. In other words, I know you can do it. But God forgive me for not seeing it come to pass because I've been known as this for so long. I can't see myself as anything different. I've been known as a drug addict, alcoholic, adulterer for so long. I can't see myself as anything different. And Jesus said, I will help you. He told that, looked at that little boy. He showed that demon spirit to come out and be gone. The demon spirit tried to do more damage and he fell over as dead. And Jesus reached down and he picked him up and he was healed and he stood up upon his feet. And I want you to know, after an encounter with Jesus Christ, he went from being known as a useless distraction, as somebody that was a testimony for the grace and the power of God. I said that to say this. I don't know what society knows you as. I don't know what you are labeled as. But I come to tell you this morning, there is something better. If you will come to Jesus by faith in what he's already done, he can take you from an old man and make you a new creation and society will recognize you as somebody, as a testimony that the grace of God is working through. And I don't care who you are. And I don't care where you've been. I don't care how rotten you've been. The grace of God is greater than your past this morning. There is something better for you. Will you bow your head with me? Will you close your eyes? Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. God, you're so faithful. I read in the scripture about so many things you've done, but I've never read where you turned anybody away. I've never read, God, where you said this situation is too far gone. I've never read where you said this individual is just too far into sin that I can't help. Lord, all I read about is whosoever whosoever will come, let them come. Uh, Whosoever wants to drink of the water, let them drink. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. God, you're not a respecter of persons this morning. I stand in a mixed crowd. I stand in the midst of people that's come from all different kinds of backgrounds. Backgrounds where life has beat them up. Backgrounds where life has pushed them away. But God, you're here this morning. The power of the Holy Spirit is here to draw them back to you and to restore their life in relationship with you, Lord. And God, this morning I ask you to do that work that no man can do. I ask you this morning with your head bowed and your eyes closed. Nobody's looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you. Nobody's going to know.
This morning, if you was to slip your hand up, there's a reason I ask you to raise your hand. Because through the week when I'm praying for this church, I pray specifically for those that's lifted their hand up and say, I want you to pray for me. There's something about the act of faith when they slip their hand up recognizing I need prayer and I know that Jesus is the answer and I want you to pray for me specifically. This morning, I call out to you, congregation, with your head bowed and eyes closed. I want to ask you, if you're here this morning, and you say, I'm bound, and I need prayer, and this week I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray when you pray. Would you slip your hand up and write back down real quickly? Thank you, God, for these hands, my God. Thank you, God, for this hand and this hand, Lord. Hands going up. Come on, is that you? This is between you and God. This is a moment that we be honest with God by slipping our hand up and saying, I want you to pray for me. I don't want to remain bound by sin. Thank you, God, for this hand. Thank you, Lord, for that hand. Thank you, God, for that hand. I want to ask you and give you one more opportunity. If you're here, say, I don't want you to leave me out. I want you to call me out in prayer. I want to be the man. I want to be the woman God's called me to be. I want to be the husband, the father, the leader. I want to be the wife. I want to be what God wants me to be, and I know I can't without the help of God. So I'm asking you to pray for me when you pray. Would you just slip your hand up and write back down, thank you, God, for these hands. Thank you, God, for that hand. Anybody else, real quickly, hand up and write back down. All right, here's what I want to do. I want to say a simple prayer. I want to ask the congregation to join in. I don't know where you stand with your relationship with the Lord, but I want to ask everybody to help us pray this morning. Hands went up all across this building. And we're just going to believe God to do a work this morning right now. I want you to know as we pray, simply praying, going through the act of prayer has never saved anybody. It's never helped anybody. But when we believe in our heart what we are about to pray, I want you to know there's a great miracle that starts to happen. God the Holy Spirit starts to move upon your heart and upon your life. He's there to help you. And you'll never regret allowing Him to help you this morning. Congregation, those that raised their hand and those that didn't alike, would you help me and join in as we pray for these this morning. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. God, here I am. And I stand at your mercy. But you're a merciful God. Lord, I just want to say, I'm sorry for the things I've done. I'm sorry for the way I've lived. And I'm sorry for the sin in my life. God, I'm tired of bondage. I desire freedom. And this morning, I believe that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the promise that will set me free. I believe that Jesus died for me. And I believe that on the third day, God raised him from the dead. And I believe today that he lives, that I may live, and I have life forevermore. Right now, I ask you to forgive me and to help me to be what you want me to be. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Congregation, would you give him a hand clap this morning?
I still want you to sing. I still want you to sing. Before we leave this morning, before we're dismissed, I want to take just a couple of minutes. I want him to sing, play what he feels. Sometimes it's harder to get a believer to admit that I've still got things that needs to be changed than it is for a sinner. And I mean that kindly this morning. There's believers all across the world. You just happen to be here this morning that is trying to live around a bondage that is embedded in their heart. And I come to tell you this morning, Jesus didn't die to give you a half victory. He died. It was a finished work to give you complete victory over everything that you'll ever deal with. This morning, I just got to take a moment. If you're here this morning, you love God. You're serving God. You're living for God. But you got a bondage. I want to give us an opportunity one more time. Maybe you're at that moment of truth where you either stay in your seat or stay in the house as the Minutemen did or you step back out in the street and you say, no, sir, today I'm going to make another stand. I'm going to fight the great fight of faith. I'm not settling for bondage. I'm not settling for this anymore. I want freedom. I want liberty. Maybe that's you today. You need to step back out, make your way to an altar and say, God, I've lived with this bondage long enough. Again, I want to fight the great fight of faith and trust the Lord to change this in me. If you're here this morning, believer, I just want to give you a moment to come and talk to the Lord about it. You don't have to talk to me. Somebody after church says, what was you going to the altar for? You got my permission to tell them, it ain't none of your business. It's between me and God. We need to talk to God about some things. I want to give you a moment this morning on Independence Day. What a great time to pick back up your fight of faith and say, God, I want freedom over this also. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? Come on, would you come? I need help. Come on, would you come? Come on, would you come? God, I want victory over this. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's something embedded in your heart. Maybe you need a healing. I don't know what it is, but would you come this morning? Come on, would you come? Come on, why don't you come this morning? It's a great time to step back out in that street. And say, God, I got to pick up my word one more time. Fight the great fight of faith. Family, why don't you come pray with your family? Church family, why don't you come find yourself somebody to pray with? It's a good morning. Draw me pick back near. up and fight the great fight of faith. Never, never blessed Lord. Come on, why don't you pray for somebody? Lift somebody up. Mix right in here with them this morning. Find you somebody today. Hallelujah. If you are blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.